This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. As we need to do every so often, uh, today's show will be devoted to catching up. A lot of the items that have piled up that we have not gotten to. So you'll have to forgive us for not uh, going to a guest in our second segment today, but we will rather try to entertain you with uh, some miscellaneous items. And I think in our second segment today, we're going to lean heavily on some science topics. Let us begin today's program as we like to do with On This Date in History, which in our case today is June the 12th. It was on June 12th in 1792 that the English captain George Vancouver while sailing along the northern Pacific coast of the American continent, circumnavigated the island that marks the entrance to Puget Sound and which today bears his name. Passage of the Canada Act six months earlier had granted Great Britain hegemony in northern regions and France authority in the south. In fact, it was a Spanish expedition that had beaten Vancouver to the northwest, but Spain abandoned its claims to the region in a treaty in 1790 was on this date in 1867 that the Austro-Hungarian Empire formed. It recognized two independent states joined by a common monarch. And uh, despite having a different parliaments, this uh, screwball empire managed to hold together up until the end of World War I. It was on this date in 1909 that the Queensboro Bridge, linking the boroughs of Manhattan and Queens in New York City, opened. I had a chance to drive across that bridge on my visit, visit to New York a few months back, and I, I must say, it, it, uh, if it's not held together by steel, the paint that's accumulated seems to be uh, keeping it lashed together. On June 12th in 1964, Nelson Mandela was sentenced to life imprisonment by the South African government as it attempted to retain the privileges granted whites under the apartheid system. And it was on June 12th of 1964 that the popularity of the English rock group The Beatles appeared secured. There were 300,000 fans that came out to greet them upon their arrival at Adelaide Airport down under in Australia. Born on this date, financier David Rockefeller, uh, George Bush 41, and Sacramento's own um, prominent actor Timothy Busfield. And you know, Tim Busfield's a guy we've never had on this program, and I, and I think we should. Our quote of the day comes from uh, the immortal Alexis de Tocqueville, whose famous book, uh, Democracy in America, chronicled uh, uh, how the experiment in democracy was faring circa 1830. About that time, de Tocqueville said, All those who seek to destroy the liberties of a democratic nation ought to know that war is the surest and shortest means to accomplish it. De Tocqueville also added, no protracted war can fail to endanger the freedom of a democratic nation. Our quip of the day comes from actor Orson Welles, who once said, if there hadn't been women, we'd still be sitting in a cave eating raw meat, because we made civilization in order to impress our girlfriends. Our stat of the day comes from the Washington Post that notes that more than 1,000 Irish pubs in small villages around Dublin have closed over the past three years. Apparently, as Ireland has become one of the world's most affluent countries, some Irish feel they no longer have time or, or an interest in socializing at their local pub. All right, our joke of the day is, is as follows. A little girl asks her mother, how did the human race appear? 
the mother says, well, dear, God made Adam and Eve, and they had children, and that's how mankind came about. The girl goes in the next room, asks her dad the same question. He says, well, dear, many years ago there were monkeys, then those monkeys eventually became apes, and those apes became people, and that's how the human race evolved. The girl walks back in and says, Mom, you told me the human race was created by God, and Dad said we developed from monkeys. How can this be? Mother says, well, dear, it's quite simple. I told you about my side of the family, and your father told you about his. But, uh, you know, on today's program, I think we need more stats and more quotes and more stuff, so let's, let's do some catch-up on ones we never got around to using, but uh, are worthy. Starting with uh, a few quotes. The immortal Bertrand Russell once said, In the modern world, the stupid are cocksure, while the intelligent are full of doubt. I know that's a favorite of some of, uh, some of our fellow DJs here at KDVS. Here's one from Henry Ward Beecher. The difference between perseverance and obstinacy is that one often comes from a strong will, while the other from a strong won't. How about this quote from New York City Police Department spokesman Paul Brown, commenting on the arrest of two men who allegedly wheeled their buddy's corpse into a payomatic shop in effort to cash his Social Security check. Said Officer Brown, Hell's Kitchen has a rich history, but this one is one for the books. Said Samuel Johnson at one point, Where secrecy or mystery begins, vice or roguery is not far off. And uh, Mark Twain once said, In order for a man or boy to covet a thing, it is only necessary to make the thing difficult to obtain. And uh, finally, here's a great quote from Iowa Senator Charles Grassley, who said, It's unconscionable that the Department of Agriculture would think that a dead person was actively engaged in the business of farming. This is upon learning that the government had sent $1.1 billion in farm payments to more than 170,000 dead people over a seven-year period. All right, let's do, let's do a few miscellaneous stats as well. Um, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, of the 10,177 homicides that involved guns back in 2006, the FBI determined that only 195, that's 1.9%, could be classified as, quote, justifiable, unquote i.e. the shooting of a criminal by a private citizen in self-defense. And the Wall Street Journal has noted that the value of some classic cars has declined by about a third from a couple years ago. This is more fallout from the credit and housing uh, mess. Said McKeel Haggerty of Haggerty Insurance Company, home equity was the ATM, out of which a lot of people were withdrawing money to have fun. According to New York Times Magazine, as of 2002, Americans had stashed away more than 500 million old cell phones, put away in drawers, never to be used again. And how about this one? Apparently, Americans owe $850 billion in credit card debt. The world's 54 poorest countries in the aggregate owe $412 billion in foreign debt. And if you're keeping score, the average U.S. household owes $9,700 on its credit cards. All right, stat from the Pew Research Center uh, notes that uh, many rich and poor Americans have something in common. They consider themselves members of the middle class. 
53% of Americans describe themselves as middle class, which includes 40% of those with incomes below $20,000 and a third of those with incomes above $150,000. Said researcher Paul Taylor, being middle class is not only a state of income and assets, it's a state of mind. All right, that's about Barack Obama. 15% of voters believe wrongly that uh, the Democratic presidential contender is a Muslim. And a poll by ABC News, The Washington Post, noted that 87% of black Americans and 56% of whites say they're concerned that somebody might try to harm the Democratic hopeful because he's seeking to be the first black president. How about this one? 76% of American commuters drive alone to work, according to USA Today. And uh, here's a sad stat. An average of 8 1,800 U.S. veterans die each day, a pace that is expected to make 2008 a peak year for veterans' deaths. Although many World War II veterans are dying, so now are increased numbers of Korean War and Vietnam War veterans. Some 686,000 veterans died last year. That's according to the AP. All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, it was a good week a few weeks back for energy independence after an Indiana man drilled an oil well in his backyard. Greg Losh spent $100,000 on the well, which actually nets him about three barrels a day. Said Losh, I didn't know anything about oil until I got involved with this. Now I've got the bug. Geez, with current oil prices, this guy may get his money back in a pretty short period of time. It was conversely a bad week uh, a few weeks back for mooning after a 21-year-old Dutch man who flattened his bare buttocks against a restaurant window evidently pressed a little too hard, shattering the glass. The man had to be hospitalized with what were described as multiple posterior wounds. And finally, it was an ugly week a couple weeks back for prom rage after a Trenton, New Jersey teenager set fire to the home of a boy who didn't Ask her to the senior prom. The home burned to the ground while the boy's family escaped by climbing out the windows. And finally, we're not sure whether this is good, bad, or ugly, or all three, but uh, it was a something a few weeks back for last laughs after Frederick J. Bauer of Cincinnati, who is the deceased designer of the Pringles potato chip can, elected to have his cremated remains <laughs> buried in one of his tubular inventions. Evidently, Mr. Bauer was very, very, ha very proud of his uh, handy potato crisp can, which we have to admit, from a technological standpoint, is, uh, is, is a pretty good invention. All right, from the Only in America file, we have this sad note from the New York Times that only about one-third of 16 to 19-year-olds will hold summer jobs this year. Many of the low-paying retailing and service jobs that teens used to hold are unavailable because of the slumping economy. Most affluent college students simply refuse to spend a summer at Dairy Queen or doing clerical work. This correspondent spent, uh, spent eight years of his uh, high school and college uh, 
uh, time of life working in a cannery, and I'm, I'm sorry to see those jobs not available. I don't know that sorting out the broken ketchup bottles and, and, and weighing out condiments and driving a forklift is necessarily character building, but there is something to be said for having to show up at work every day. And I shouldn't underestimate the fact that we were union, we were Teamsters, and uh, the pay wasn't that bad. In fact, I can recall, and I, and I sound a bit like my grandpa now when I'm saying this, but I can recall when $4.12 an hour was pretty good. All right, from the Only in Italy file, we have the following item. Uh, the city of Venice has banned the feeding of the famous flocks of pigeons that swarm over St. Mark's Square and other parts of the city. City officials say that these 60,000 pigeons are destroying statues and architecture with their droppings. They're also attacking tourists carrying food. And uh, from the only in California file, we have the fact, which I think we made passing mention of a few weeks back, that uh, Harvey Milk Day, a bill to honor uh, the slain San Francisco supervisor Harvey Milk, is w making its way through the California legislature. Uh, some months back, we told the story of how Harvey Milk decided that the man who had deflected Sarah Jane Moore's uh, hand when she was pointing a pistol, which he fired at, presidential Jer at President Jerry Ford, how that, uh, that hero, that citizen who stepped forward to do the right thing, uh, had his life ruined by Supervisor Harvey Milk. It turned out he was gay. And Milk decided on his own to out this man to show the nation that uh, gay people were heroic. And, uh, and not a bunch of limp-wristed pansies. Never mind the fact that this man's family did not know he was gay, and this caused him untold grief in, uh, in family relations. In fact, as it would happen, his family cut him off and wouldn't speak to him after that. Now, I'm sure Harvey Milk did a lot of good things, and he maybe shouldn't be condemned for one thoughtless, rash action. But isn't there a bit of the same kind of thought process involved with this? Harvey Milk was, was killed. Harvey Milk was gay. Harvey Milk should be honored. The sponsor of the bill, Mark Leno, says that the designation of Harvey Milk Day would show gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender youths that they have a history and heroes. I don't know who said it, but there's a quote we've used before that, you know, sometimes heroes have to be constructed from the flimsiest of materials. And from the only in American medicine file, we have this. There was a poll that was taken last December among America's doctors asking if the U.S. presidential election were held this year, well, in 07, uh, which party's candidate would you vote for? The Democrats got 22%, other got 19%, and 59% of Americans, America's doctors said they were going to vote Republican which makes this correspondent not so happy with his chosen profession. Anyway, I want to talk about some foreign affairs here, what's going on in Myanmar, what's going on in Zimbabwe, but, uh, but I think I'll round out uh, our first segment today with a revelation about what I was really up to last week. Yes, I must confess, I was not here in the booth last Thursday, and I, I do want to thank uh, uh, Todd Urich and Jen Cow for uh, helping uh, put this show on uh, in my absence. But I decided to take a trip uh, halfway across the Pacific to visit uh, the Sandwich Islands, Hawaii, which is, uh, for my money, about the coolest place you can travel that doesn't require a passport. My goal this time was to do a little bit of old and a little bit of new, the old being a revisit to Maui. 
And uh, the new being a planned ferry ride from Lahaina over to the island of Molokai, which uh, not only had I never visited, I actually don't know anyone who had been to Molokai. And I'm sad to report that uh, Maui has undergone some uh, untoward changes. Uh, The development uh, has continued at a breakneck pace along the northwest part of the island, uh, which is just fabulous beaches, fabulous scenery, but unfortunately now too many high-rise hotels. I mean, it looks like uh, the concrete jungles of Waikiki or Miami. In fact, in the mid-90s, I took my parents and grandma over to Maui, among other islands, and was uh, startled to note that I could not figure out where we stayed just a decade and a half ago. So changed was the topography. This is not a good thing. The same could be said about uh, the the southwest part of the island near Wailea and uh, Kihei, which have also undergone a little bit more development than uh, would be considered healthy. But uh, by any standards, it still remains a world-class travel destination. Uh, The volcano of of Haleakala is is a marvel to behold. If you're into windsurfing or kiteboarding, the north part of the island is is world-class. and, and the snorkeling was still pretty darn good along, uh, along the north. I was accompanied by a buddy of mine that dates back to high school days. And uh, when we rounded the bend to find this wonderful little cove for diving, there were a couple of locals holding up some uh, greenish material on the side of the road, sitting in, uh, in lounge chairs. Guy asked, hey, you guys want some of this? <laughs> I walked over and said, what do you got, Maui Waui? Guy looks at me and says, we got Maui Aui. You smoke this stuff, you're going to hurt yourself. And while we were chatting with these two gentlemen, a helicopter came over the top with, uh, with John Law looking down on the scene. I asked him, are you guys afraid of this? And one guy says, no, I'll just run into the jungle. His partner, who was, had quite a few more pounds on board and apparently bad knees, said, ah, I'm not going to run. Now, uh, you know, one thing that tourists do when they go to Hawaii is go to a luau. The pork is fabulous. The food actually is, is fabulous on the, on the luau's I've been to in the past. And uh, one thing I've always enjoyed is poi, pounded taro root. Admittedly, this is not generally a big hit with the tourist public, but uh, I was determined to get some. After, uh, after a couple, three days on Maui, asking around for it, they said, well, you got to go to Costco on a certain morning. And I'm like, this, this can't be that hard. Well, my buddy was talking to a gal in a coffee shop that recommended a restaurant called Fish and Poi. She said, you can get some there. So we went to that restaurant that night, walked in, and as I was being seen, I said, you got, now you got Poi, right? And the guy says, no, no, no Poi. And as he walked up, I thought, he's got to be kidding. When the waiter came over, the first question I had was, now, you do serve Poi here, don't you? To which he replied, no, no, sir, we, we don't. <laughs> well, your, your restaurant's name is Fish and Poi. To which he responded with what I thought was astounding lameness. Well, we, you know, we mean to change the name of the restaurant, but we haven't been able to get a guy over here to, like, to paint a new sign. Seeing that I was getting a bit indignant at this point, he said, Well, you know, we used to have it on the, on the menu, but, you know, nobody would, nobody would buy it. He looked at me and said, Have you ever tried it? Which I thought was going just a bit too far. I looked at him and said, Yes, I have, and I like it. That's why I came to the restaurant, which I'd remind you is named Fish and Poi. Guy said, well, I'm sorry, we, 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 we don't have any. As he left for us to choose alternate selections, my buddy said, hey, what are you doing, man? You don't, you don't ever give a waiter a bunch of grief. This is the guy that has control over the stuff you're going to put in your mouth. I said, yeah, I know, but, but did you hear him? He looks at me and goes, have you ever tried it? 
He said, yeah, yeah, that's being a jerk. So unfortunately, even on Molokai, never was able to get any poi. Part of the explanation was that Hawaii, perhaps through global warming or just, you know, a bit of a drought, didn't have the usual, uh, usual amount of taro root available. In fact, we had a hard enough time finding taro chips, which I think are one of the island treats. Better than potato chips in, in, in my book. But uh, on day four, we took the ferry from Lahaina over to uh, Kauna Kakai, the, the small town capital of Molokai. The, the whole island only has 7,000 people. And has been aptly described as Hawaii, uh, the Hawaii of 50 years ago. And indeed, restaurants are pretty hard to come by, as are lodges to stay in. But I must say, if any of you out there are contemplating a trip to, uh, to Molokai, uh, you can find uh, some good accommodations on the west end of the island. And, and, and I think it is very much worth your while. We, uh, we hiked down at one point. The, the option is to, to fly down to the famous uh, leper colony of Father Damien. You can fly down, you, you can take mules down, or you can hike down. Uh, my buddy and I were joined by a very nice couple from Oregon who liked it to hike down to the peninsula. And it's a bit of a hike, but, uh, but not, not, not too bad if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other. The tour was quite interesting. Uh, uh, Hawaii elected to, uh, to move all of its lepers to the north side of Molokai because it was a very isolated peninsula with, with uh, sheer cliffs around it. Uh, very easy to keep people contained there. And uh, until sulfa antibiotics came along about a century later, uh, it was a pretty devastating disease. And I would note that it is, it is still with us out there in the world. Mr. McMillan and I have both seen uh, uh, cases in India. I've seen some also in Burma and, and in Africa. The patients with Hansen's disease, as it's, as it's now known, uh, are few in number at this point. And um, they, you know, they're pretty much free to go where they want. This, this whole you know, idea of a leper colony in isolation is, is, is you know, a century, century out of date. But a lot of folks are electing to live out their natural life there. Uh, during the tour, they were not in evidence. They don't like to come out and, you know, be stared at, understandably. And, and I guess a big question that the state of Hawaii has is, what are they going to do when, when the last of these people live out their natural life? And it's, it's a, quite a beautiful area, but uh, as you might imagine, an area that's going to have some problems with, uh, you know, commercial development. Speaking of that, I would note that on the ferry over, I met a gentleman from Pennsylvania who talked about... Uh, how his sister and, and recently departed brother-in-law had successfully fought efforts to develop West Molokai. Apparently some uh, multinational corporations had their eye, uh, eye upon the west part of the island, which they're planning to build the $2 million uh, homes all over the place, something that the, uh, the island population was very much in opposition to. And in this case, having a lawyer show up and asking all the right questions pretty much put the kibosh in the development. In a future installment of this program, we're going to plan to return to that topic and hopefully hear uh, firsthand from um, the person that was able to accomplish uh, this, uh, this victory. So hopefully we will return to this topic and have more to say in the future, but I think that about does it for the first segment here. So let us take a break and come back and uh, talk about some matters of science. Science. 